Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to View with Mike G, the show of life, the show of UT Austin, the stock market being at the right place at the right time, and of course, wine. Today's guest is Mr. Alex Andrawes, the founder of PersonalWine.com, a service that allows you to pick great wines with a personalized label and a personalized experience, and also the owner of the Red Room Lounge in Austin, Texas. Talk about a lot of different things. I'm on a wine kick personally after the Thanksgiving holiday and sharing a few great glasses with my dad, having some conversations that as a child I never thought I would have as an adult with him. Things change when you get older and wine seems to be a wonderful way to share great conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy this chat with Mr. Alex and Drawes. It's, it's very interesting because he doesn't have any like he will talk he will tell you the stories uh, unfiltered unfiltered amazing yeah yeah like like blunt like yeah <laughs> let's count up this hill and I, I i blew this guy up with a grenade i'm just like wow okay i like how passe it is to him it's like well you know okay once you do it a couple of times yeah how long were you guys out there uh, we were just the day in and came back oh yeah. cool i cut i was responsible for cutting up the turkey you have to be right. So I was chopped. I chopped up that turkey, and I'm there was barely a. I mean, it was just bones. Yeah, no meat. Oh man. Yeah, I don't know. Are you a fan of turkey? You know, um, it's kind of a. It's kind of one of those. It's it's a drug in itself. Turkey is a drug. It, okay. you, you eat turkey, and if you feel like like sitting there and chilling out and passing out, right, right. You know, then you you want to eat a turkey. It's like you just eat some turkey, and then you know you're gonna pass out and like fade out. Boom. It's a nice thing. Yeah. Yeah, nap inducer. Right, right. So like if you want to do it twice, then it's all you. It's that's that's not me. I'll do it one time and wake <laughs> up and I got stuff to do. <laughs> it's good. I mean, Thanksgiving is that the one day a year where you just overeat until you fall asleep. Yeah, no, it's it's conspicuous consumption to yeah. its maximum and it's uh it's it's just gluttony. It's fabulous. It is. It's a great thing, the pie. Yeah. You know, and I mean the you know, the pie is a white bread topic, but the pie is fucking good. Dude, I love I love apple pie crust. Oh, I lo- oh my god. So wow. good. Oh. Yeah, that, this whole Thanksgiving this time around. I hadn't done this before, but we set up stations in the kitchen. My dad's been a cook for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm going to be I'm just going to do prep for you. So I learned so now the takeaways. Yeah. I've learned how to make pie crust like a, a maniac, which is great. Yeah. And I can saute some vegetables, which is good. Dude, you know what else I realized about Thanksgiving? What's that? You can tell whether people are going to have a successful marriage or a failure of a marriage. Oh, that's good. Because the man always wants to come in and cut the turkey. Right. And it's the man in the kitchen with, you know, it's this husband and wife, spouse, partner, whatever. Mm-hmm. They're in the kitchen and they're basically, you know, somebody's, somebody wants to cut up the bird, but the other one's making the cranberry sauce. And it's kind of like... 
all right, who, who, who's like, I, I want the knife. I want the knife. You know? <laughs> the protein yeah. is king. And then you start seeing, okay, well, these people actually get along in the kitchen. So I, th- I think they've got a good future. That's anyway. actually a great point. My, my parents, I think they know the boundaries now. It's like my mom said, I just get out of the kitchen. Because I came in, do prep, like, tell me what to do. Right. I got no, no dog in this race. Like, I'm just trying to make sure yeah. that it's a success for you, Dad. That's you know? right. But tying this back to wine, actually. So... My dad, for some time, he wasn't really drinking. Despite me being in the booze industry, mm-hmm. he wasn't really drinking. But we had these great moments in front of a campfire over wine this time. Wow. And I took that step in, right? Like, he drank bourbon in the 70s. But I haven't seen him sip whiskey ever since I was born, you know? So I was thinking about these moments, right? Like, whether it's spirits or wine. But for he and I, that was a moment we'd never had. Sipping wine, talking politics. But in a nice kind of respectful way in the woods <laughs> more or less right northern texas they Ooh, have this nice. acreage it's really really beautiful but i was thinking about that and you being so involved in wine and so passionate about it can you think of a time where you were just sitting you and somebody you and a woman you and a man drinking wine and it was one of those profound conversations Profound conversations. Yeah, no, it happens with such a high degree of frequency that I think I'm just generally uh, like a super blessed individual. Yeah, I love um, it. It's one of the, the best parts of being a human. Right. Is just being able to have those conversations. Right. I think like uh, one thing that was pretty interesting was like uh, like about two, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I was in Manhattan and I went to go have wine with a friend of mine who mm-hmm. is, you know, runs a big family office and he is uh he runs a, a like three very big companies he owns them he invited me to the grand havana room which is a cigar club oh, yeah. but he brought like 15 bottles of wine that were that go back to 1952 1964 66 wow. and then you know nothing older than uh really nothing older than uh 1970 you know and yeah. we were like drinking all these really old wines and then i walk by the bathroom and i see uh al sharpton and i'm just like Reverend Al Sharpton? Exactly. And he's just sitting there drinking, you know, drinking and having a drink and in a cigar room at the very top of Manhattan. And I'm just like, wow, you, know, you just walk by these guys and they're just, they're right here. And, you know, and then, or, you know, other times you'll just be sitting there like, uh, like a friend of mine is a, is an author by the name of Tucker Max, who I know, yeah, I know that so, guy. Yeah. So Tucker's a friend. And, you know, the other day, like yesterday, he came over to the Red Room and 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 drank wine and we have our sommelier there his name is darren scott he's a great sommelier mm-hmm. uh and general manager of estate wine brokers which is another company that we run and um and tucker's sitting there you know talking wine but talking wine as a as a to me is more of a like like a layman peer-to-peer good friend right, right. like as if you were getting into it but his knowledge is very deep but he's really good at explaining wine almost like you're like a bunch of guys around a softball field drinking right, wine, yeah. right? It's like, you know, a little locker room talk because, you know, it's got to be because it's Tucker Max and right. he's awesome. But like, you know, but but there's that other side of Tucker, which is like he's, you know, and the one thing that's really interesting about Tucker is like you just don't know about it is like mm-hmm. the dude loves champagne. Really? And I don't like champagne. I, I, I'm, and I'm sorry to say that because... It's sparkling in general or just specifically champagne? No, no, just anything with bubbles in it. Really? And there's a reason why I don't like it. I don't like it because it doesn't like me. So I'm mad at I it, see. right? I see. I'm mad at champagne because I... Mutually would, assured destruction, right? Yeah, right. Because I would love to love champagne because yeah. I kind of like, like Samuel L. Jackson did in a movie he was like i am champagne yeah, yeah. sometimes i feel like 
I feel like champagne, but I'm like, I can't have any because my body doesn't agree with it. Really? So it's like, you know, and you're sitting next to a friend who's explaining wine in layman's terms, and then you're sitting next to your friend who's a professional, yeah. and he's, you know, and the comparison and the discussion between the two people is like night and day. You've got the dude over here speaking the King's English, right. and then you've got your buddy over there talking jive. You know, it's, it's like, but you that's have, so great. Yeah. No, it, I think that that's the piece about spirits and wine that allow you to think about it in a different way. Sometimes we tune out. Right. It's like, oh, blackberries, baking spices. I mean, okay, cool, cool. Blue Skittles. Fuck yeah. All right, well, now I'm paying attention again. <laughs> Bluebell Mexican vanilla ice cream. Like, Bring it back to the people. Bring it back to the things that harken us back to a more familiar time, whether it's being a kid or just things we indulge in, you know? Yeah. So what was he in town for? Was he doing a book? He has another book out? or uh, he, lives, out? he lives here in Austin. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, no, he, he, he moved here to Austin like a few years ago. No, no kidding. No, it was really interesting. He, he rented our place for South by Southwest, and when he walked in, it was just, a, a, you know, uh, it's good. It's actually is a little bit rated R. So like I'll just oh, yeah. I'll, I'll dub it down a bit. Like, I put the E on every one of these episodes. <laughs> well, it's like it was the classic. It was just like, oh, this is perfect. This is exactly what I thought he was going to be like. And right, he's, right. he's funny, and but he does it in such a funny, like fun spirited way. He's okay. a very he's a very fun spirited guy. Yeah. He's, um, you know. And, and and then as I got to know him, he like now he's married, he has a, a wife, and he has two children. Wow. He's just like, you know, he's just like so. Anyways, you you get to meet these people in the in the in the in the alcohol business because you're in the entertainment side of the business. Right. So you know, a lot of times, you know, it could be somebody you, you you're, who's very very famous, mm-hmm. and then they walk in, and you're like, you know, you're, you're kind of apprehensive because you don't know if you really want to get to know this person. Absolutely, because you don't yeah. want to have a negative impression of this person. Don't ruin Die Hard for me, Bruce Willis. I want no. it to still be good. No, 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 no. And and you know, like for example. Two years ago for South by, I get a phone call, and that's exactly how it works. You just my phone rings mm-hmm. at South by, and it's always somebody's manager, and they're like, "Hey," uh, and then so this guy was like, "Hey, uh, uh, this is who I am." I actually knew the guy. He was just like, "Hey, Snoop wants to come in and DJ at your place for like, you know, for like an hour." Right. I was just like, I "Don't have to ask me twice." Yeah, sure. It, please. We're having gin, but <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> we'll make it work. Right. Right, so he, so you know, he comes in, and I basically was like, you know, I wonder what, I wonder what Snoop Dogg drinks. I wonder if he likes wine. And yeah. dude, the dude gravitated right towards the wine, and he really likes like Napa Cab, and he likes Italian. You know, he likes Italian. His uh, his manager was, you know, got him into some uh, Italian uh, Brunello di Montalcino, and uh, you know, uh, just just a really interesting guy. And you, and then he ended up staying there for like two and a half hours and DJ. Yeah. And you get to end up hanging out with this guy afterwards, and. You know, and then you're like, this guy's awesome. And then you have other guys who, you know, are, you know, are not. Right. You know, right. And, and you're just like, boy, I could go home right now and have a better time. You yeah. Know, just, it's, it's so strange. It's mixed. And right. I think, right. But right. finding that thing, finding mm-hmm. alcohol for one is a great, I mean, obviously it's a great social lubricant, but right. it is a great thread in which to relate to people that don't want to fucking talk about being on tour all the time. That's you right. know what I mean? They don't yeah. want to talk about the music. Yeah. But start talking about cabs start talking about sparkling even if it doesn't play yeah. well with you yeah. then you open this whole other door and then there are people that are beyond the artist you know mm-hmm. I think yeah it's really really important. and but but the interesting thing is I, I think the reason why they so i think of i think of wine is more of like the conduit as the um, as your microphone yeah, right yeah. to talk to 
the other artist, which is inside the bottle, which is the winemaker who made the wine. And most yeah. winemakers and a lot of, and actually most sommeliers really are artists. So these guys uh, and gals, they're like, and and you and obviously you know June very well. So June Rodol is, is is a master sommelier, yeah. one of a very few amount of female oh, master sommeliers, so and few. she's so sweet. And it's just like you, when you talk to these people, they're artists, and you realize that they are artists, and they have their craft and their yeah. trade. And that's the one thing that I really loved about wine was like, wow, this is like true art, and this is these people take extreme pride. In their art, at whereas like the just you know the average person who sat there and tried wine from this barrel and this barrel that were made in the same room using the same grapes, uh, using you know the same same uh, oak barrels, brand new French oak from X Y Z Cooperage, you know, they make wine, and this barrel and this barrel is so just slightly different enough right. to where this per- person goes, no, this one does not make the cut, and this one does, and I'm just going. Wow, they taste incredibly similar to me. I don't understand how you just made that determination, yeah. but I love it. I love what I see. Um, Exacting and, production you, skills, right? You know, you using really just your senses yeah. and instinct, and obviously some chemistry. You know, and a some lot emotion. Of, absolutely, without question. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. You, you you see these guys who you know you go to Sonoma, not so much in Napa really, but like. You go to Sonoma, you still find proprietors who are on site, who are the winemakers, and you walk into the tasting room, mm-hmm. and there they are, and then they give you a tour, and you look at their hands, and their hands are just beat to hell. Yeah. You know, they're just beat to shit. They've got, you know, they're bleeding, or like they've got cuts and all kinds of stuff. That's because, you know, and then you, and you go from one winery to the next winery, and one winery has just this, you know, I call it, you know, the group, it's groomed. You know, uh, the the vineyard is groomed, it's meticulous and right, beautiful, right, right. and you go to this other one and it's just unruly, you but know? It's, wor- it's working conditions. That's right. right. Yeah. That's right. So it's, an example there is like this winemaker that I met a few years ago, his name is Dick Peterson, and, um, you know, he's a very, he's a legendary winemaker. Mm. His daughter's uh, Heidi Barrett, who made uh, like Screaming Eagle and La Serena, oh, and okay. a bunch of different wine, uh, Amuse Bouche. Uh, uh, so like... I went to his house in uh, Napa Valley, and his house is surrounded by very large, tall trees that are very, like, in close proximity to each other. Mm. And he takes me to his vineyard, you know, behind his home. And it's like a pe- like I'm looking at the I'm looking at the leaves of this Pinot Noir varietal that are fuzzy like a cactus like a fuzzy cactus. Right, 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 okay. And I'm going, what the fuck is this? What is this plant? Like this. Are these grapes? He's like, yeah. yeah. So I was like, I was like, but I've never seen grapes with fu- like the the grape leaves with fuzz on them. He goes, yeah, yeah. he goes, Alex, this is mine. And he goes, oh wow. He goes, so what happened was there are these there's this uh, there's a uh, like a graveyard with a church in Wales. And one year, uh, I you know UC Davis, I was at I was at UC Davis, and we got a call that these people have been this this church has been making wine for hundreds of years using the grapes that grow in the back of the cemetery, you know? Oh, that's, that's imagine all the airborne stuff. That's just, yeah. 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 And and it's in Wales. So it's freezing. I mean, it's like freezing. Very civilized. (laughs) Right. Right. And these nuns are making wine and, 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 but they, you know, they wanted to know, they wanted, you know, eventually they wanted to know what they were making. Right. And, and so he basically, they basically sent uh, him clippings and, um, Actually, he flew there. He saw that it was unusual and brought back clippings. And subsequently, 
the very next year, after hundreds of years, mm. the the vines died. You oh, know, no. in Wales. But in Wales, oh. yeah, gone. So the, the the poor nuns, they don't have any more wine to drink, so they got to go to the store and buy wine now. So it sucks. Oh, but like Dick Peterson has the clone, and he's the only person in Napa Valley who's got this one vineyard with this one clone of grapes that, in theory, goes back, you know, in lineage to uh, varietals that are just like. You know, you're talking about isolating uh, a very specific stra- right, strain right. of anything, or, so or like a, what species. we could consider a dead, uh, an extinct species. Extinct, ultimately, extinct right. species, yeah. right? So basically, he he kind of found that amber, you know, the piece that was stuck on the amber, yeah. but alive. You know, so this guy really has the only, you know. And so I was just like, "Dig, this is freaking amazing! Like, what are you doing with this wine? He's making sparkling red wine." And I'm like, well, "That's really interesting." Yeah. I was like, "Why don't you clone this varietal and, you know." And mass market, yours, yeah. mass market. He goes, Alex. I don't need money. He's just like, you have to understand, this is mine, yeah. and I'm the only guy who has this. And I'm like, ah, I get it. He's an artist. Yeah, you know. Well, so okay, so this is a great uh, segue because I've seen you with pictures of guitars. Uh-huh. I suspect music is a really important thread for you, but this all starts prior to the wine thing. Right, right. You're a Texas dude, is that right? You grew up in Texas? Uh, no, not exactly. So the, so I was I was born in Dallas, okay. but when I was really young um, when I was uh, kindergarten, I started in kindergarten, I went, like we moved to England and Oh, really? Where about? Uh, in just out, outside of London, about okay. 45 minutes. Um, I went to school there for a year and then we moved to Tunisia, North Africa. Wow. And so in Tunisia there was no TV, there was no McDonald's, there was no Taco Bell. There right. was like a lot of opium, though, presumably. Hash. I mean, there's hash. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah. there's hashish. And, um, and, 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 and you know, like, Tunisia is actually a very liberal, at that time was a very liberal uh, Islamic country, yeah. mostly French influence. And a lot of people don't realize it, but next door is Algeria. And in the 1800s, Algeria alone had more cultivation under vine than the entire Europe. Because of the French, right? Yeah, exactly. And just Algeria. And then, obviously, when... Islamic fundamentalism kind of really kind of uh, encroached its way into Algeria. Yeah. That just went away, you know. Well, because so, mind if I ask, so what was taking you to all these exotic places as a kid? Uh, my, da- my dad was in the oil and gas business, okay. and, and he sense. was, you know, he was based out of North Africa. And so there, um, you know, I was, you know, I turned, you know, I, while I was there, I turned six, and then at six, you know, my mom would give me a little bit of wine at it's the table. Bit, yeah. And then, but we, what was really what fascinated me was my dad every weekend or every other weekend, we would go do archaeological digs. And so we would go look for Roman pottery and, oh and just Roman artifacts or Phoenician or Byzantine artifacts. Yeah. And we found a lot of like wine vessels, a lot of them, like, you know, a, a few dozen at least. Yeah. And, um, and, and just like, you know, pottery and coins and all kinds of other stuff. Um, you know, and my, my dad had a deal with uh, with the president of Tunisia at that time to like fund digs and keep a few pieces here and there. Wow. So it's like one out of a hundred pieces you got to keep as long as it wasn't culturally important. So we have this collection of a, of a few hundred pieces. Do you have any personally that that you particularly find more exceptional than others? Yeah, no. There's a few of them that are super interesting. Um, like there's a large wine amphora which is about four feet tall. Wow. It's about a foot and a half wide, and it's just really, really heavy. And it's What's used, it made of? Uh, it's, it's, it's made of clay. 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 And you know what killed the Romans? No. Actually, what was lead poisoning from oh, the clay. <laughs> from the, from the clay. <laughs> yeah, so they yeah. were drinking wine, which was like really good for you, right? Right. And, but they were drinking wine out of the wrong vessel. Let's seep all you know, that lead out, man. For yeah. hundreds of years. So oh, you're wondering man. if they just 
killed that lead out of their diet, they would have lived a little longer than a thousand to conquer years. Conquer right, even right, more, right? Let's. So, so that's that's kind of where it comes from. So, like the history of wine for me started from more of like a historical perspective, yeah. and then you know moved into the taste perspective, and then kind of like, and then I, you know, obviously I went to I went to UT. I got fucking wasted on beer for four sure, years. Sure. I took a little uh, for but three. You, got, years. you guys came back. What, how old were you when you came back to Texas? Uh, so I was I went I came back to Texas. And finished high school at uh, at Clements High School okay. in Sugarland, Texas. And oh, yeah. I, I understand you're from Katy. Yes, that's right. Yeah, you're right across the street. I know. And, 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 We're I, rich now. We weren't rich when I was. No, no, no. But now you guys people. are. Yeah, oh, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Stinko Ranch and us. We're like this, man. That's right. Yeah. That's right. We're like, yeah, you guys. Uh, let's let's go to the club together. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so we finished. I finished there, and then went to UT, uh, and then so UT I studied economics, and then like uh, in senior year in college, I was drinking with a friend. And I, in, when I turned as, as when we both turned seniors, we took a trip to Kerrville, and on the way to Kerrville, we stopped at the wineries, and we just really fell in love with wine again. Yeah. And then I realized that, like, okay, well, if you actually drink wine, and you're a senior in college, and chicks are actually going to find you a little bit more sexier, yeah, sure. and, and I needed as much game as I could possibly have. <laughs> what? Were you, but you don't seem like an awkward guy. You're pretty articulate. Why would you need game? We're not either of us are very tall. Maybe that's what it is. No, I dude, I'll just I'll I'll just take any help I can get. That's fair. That's you know, totally so fair. so booze definitely came was high up on the list as yeah. as, as a tool. Um as a, tool, as a mechanism. <laughs> yeah. But wine made it sexy. Yeah. So that wine threw me over that that hump and so like I basically um so we were sitting at a bar and we we're like so what do we, you know, like what do we want to do uh, after college and right. he was just like we should start a personalized wine company. I was just like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah." It's like, "There's nobody doing it online. It's 1999. There's nobody right. doing it. Like, we should do it." I'm like, "Okay, that sounds like a great idea." And so, so we started it. And then, you know, like, a, you know, early on, he kind of went in another direction. I went and I ended up buying him out. So, really good friends right now. Um, but I just kept going, kept going, kept, and started building. So, basically, what it was is I was working for a stockbroker. Uh, in college yeah and this guy was like hey i want you to go to costco and buy wine and remove it and do some personalized labels for me and i was just like absolutely like that sounds like a great idea and so that kind of that was kind of like the premise so it was like hey let's start a personalized wine company this guy's asking me to kind of do the same thing i was like oh wow this is like so and then i did it for him Three other people asked me to do it for them. Right, and so you then, saw some trend and like yeah. things are moving along. Right, so but, it was like, but but that can't. So taking it back just a second. So you're in school, you're doing economics. Is that right? Right, right. What did you think you were gonna do? Because um, we all start somewhere and then we diverge in this whole other direction. Yeah, dude, I just wanted to be a bus driver. Just work really? For, yeah, work for Cap Metro. No, no shit. No, 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 I'm totally <laughs> fucking with you. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes that sounds actually kind of fun not bad right no just keep um, ringing the bell you just open the door hey man you're the you're, they're happy to see you they're you know they put a couple a couple coins in the jar yeah. and then they you take them off just um, going forward exactly no i you know what i really didn't know man i was just like just doing it yeah i was gonna take a year off um i thought about going into like mergers and acquisitions but like i you know I made a lot of money in the stock market when I was in college, yeah. but so how do you know how to do that? I, I it was not a lesson that I had learned from my folks or my from my friends. Where does this influence and this kind of insight come for you? So you know to be wise with your money in college. What the fuck are you thinking? Oh, dude, I, that was pure luck too. So yeah. basically, I was working for a stock brokerage company, mm-hmm. and I was working behind the cage, sorting the confirmations, the order confirmations. Okay, okay. 
So I was seeing what these guys were, were buying for their clients. Right. So I just started replicating their orders. Uh, okay. Right. Okay. And then one of these guys goes, uh, you know, if you do my, if you do some, my, my Christmas present, no, no, he wanted some Cuban cigars and I knew okay. somebody who's had, who sold Cuban cigars. I was like, Hey, you know, here, here's this guy who sells Cuban yeah, cigars yeah. over here. He was like, Hey, if you can give me some Cuban cigars, I will give you a hundred shares of InfoSpace at the IPO price of fifteen bucks a share. Okay. I was like, sure, sure, I'll take it. Yeah, you know. And so I took that, and that went to like a hundred, a hundred and fifty, and and I sold it at a hundred. I made a bunch of money there, wow. and then did like two or three more consecutive buys, and then made a, a good chunk of cash. And then, so what I did was I took that cash. I lost a bunch too because right. in one I basically, I mean, it hit everybody pretty hard, but. I was still ahead, and so I used that cash to build personal wine. Mm. So I went and bought, you know, some inventory, and I made a mistake. I went and bought like three hundred cases of Texas wine, which, you know, Texas wine makes Texas does make great wine, right. but like, you know, if you don't have the demand for, you know, three hundred, six hundred cases of Texas sit wine, it sits there for a while. Yeah. So I eventually had to. I just basically use it as a way to like just gift people. So this makes sense. All right, right. this makes some sense. Okay, yeah. so now you have this kind of. Just amazing eye-opening conversation about personalizing wine. You're like, wait a minute, I had some experience doing that with yeah. a Costco bottle. And so let's do it for real. Yeah, and so looking at an Oklahoma City NBA, NBA right? Um, uh, yeah, that's that's Oklahoma Thunder. So like one of, one of my friends uh, and business partners is a part owner of the Oklahoma Thunder. And every year I, you know, I go and have, you know, dinner with them or yeah. see them. And then I just give them that bottle. Uh, and you know she's a huge thunders you know like she owns part of the thunders so oh, she's like killer. that so what we do is we engrave the bottle so what we what we do now is every year these winemakers who i've gotten to know for many years 16 years now um you know we call them up randomly and say hey you know do are you you know do you, if you have any extra wine this year we'd love to buy you know whatever else you have mm. and so like for example we'll do you know this one is produced the one that you're drinking right now is, yeah would is, you tell me a little bit more about it because it, it's Really lovely, uh-huh. and I'm just gonna keep drinking it. <laughs> no, that's, okay. really, that's exactly what, dude. I want you to drink this wine. Um, so this wine is like uh, a perfect example of what we do. So uh, the guy who, uh, so this is from uh, Diamond Mountain Vineyards, yeah. which is the top of uh, Napa Valley. It comes from the oldest winery, oldest oldest mountain fruit, and it's the highest elevation winery in Napa Valley, mm-hmm. uh, called Constant. And this is their 2013 Napa Valley Cab. And uh, we bought 10 barrels of it and we basically private labeled it uh, under our own brand. And it's just, to me, it's a, an amazing wine. I mean, and, it's incredible. No, and, and it, that, that comes from a relationship that I had with the family, you know, uh, before Freddie Constant died, um, developed a great relationship with him. He owned, uh, you know, 200 radio stations and he sold yeah. it to Clear Channel and bought the top of Diamond Mountain. This place is like heaven on earth. If Zeus was alive and he was in the He'd wine business, there. this is, would be his place to wow. live. Like it's so cool. And then like, um, and, and so you go there, and so you could see three different valleys from one spot. And if you get there before ten, there's clouds covering it, right? Mm-hmm. So you you're in a sea of clouds. So like you're kind of like Lando Calrissian of wine. <laughs> and then like ten thirty, when the sun hits over and the clouds start dissipating, you can start seeing like all the wine, all the you know, just like two valleys yeah and it's the top of, of diamond mountain so it's part of it sits in sonoma and the other part of it sits in napa and so this wine is is uh like uh it's just an amazing napa valley cab it's 
it's not as extracted as 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 most of the cows, but that's just general. So the difference between the way we do it and the way do, they do it is, you know, we filter the wine. Okay. They, they okay. don't. So their wines are are a lot more dense, but same fruit profile and everything like yeah. that. It's, it's just a little tighter. That's what plate filtering does. You take those particulates out. You know, exactly. Not to get nerdy, but I yeah, filtering yeah. is big. Yeah, it's it's a big. It's the difference between and in wine, it's the difference between being approachable now. Or being approachable, you know, in seven, in five to seven to ten years. Okay. So, like, you know, filtering basically just makes the wine more elegant. Certainly, in my opinion, more old world mm. versus new world wines that are certainly more dense, fruit forward, rich wines that are they have that thick kind of jammy texture yeah, to yeah. them, you know. And this is definitely kind of somewhere in between, yeah. You know, and then and so that's what we do. So we go and we go buy these wines. They're finished. We don't manipulate them, right, right. you know. And then the only thing we may do is we may, may we may filter it, and then we we bottle them and we put our our brand name on them. But we also sell the usual suspects that are out there, like you know Silver Oak Camus, and we engrave those bottles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some wineries will ship us wines with their original winery back label, and we'll you know custom label and engrave Mo- yeah, those. Yeah, modded as right. But what what year are we talking that this all started? Probably shortly after you got out of UT, right? Right. No, this is like this is it started right. Right out it's of like UT. almost immediately. Immediately. And then, like, in year three, I got a $100,000 order from HBO. Oh, my God. You know, to do the personalized wine for the HBO miniseries of Rome. Oh, and yeah. it was 12,000 bottles, and I had 30 days to do it. And I did, like, it was me and my cousin mm-hmm. and uh, and I think the girlfriend that I was dating at that time because I was, you know, it was, you know, it was well, before I was married. Yeah, and, right. So it was like she was, she was, she was free labor, yeah. you know, but at the end of, um, you know, uh, believe me, she was not free labor. But, <laughs> Never uh, is, man. No, <laughs> but, but, um, but at the end of the, at the end of the, uh, the, the 12,000 bottles, I literally had no more fingerprints on my fingers. Rubbed off. They rubbed off from the adhesive, the stickers, the, uh-huh. the labels that we were putting on the bottles. Like so, I had no. It would be perfect time to go rob a bank, but like, absolutely, you know, I was busy bottling. How, how, so, at the, what we could consider one of the apexes or one of the milestones, you're d- delivering it's twelve thousand or sixteen thousand. That was twelve thousand. Twelve thousand bottles of wine, customized um, labels and packaging for HBO. How old were you at this point? Mm. Twenty-eight. Man, so that's pretty, pretty great. There's and then, but there's the not so great. The not so great. What's the not so great. The not so great is when you get an order from a from an oil company that you know could be like solid repeat business. Yeah, and they want personalized wine, and they want it delivered in San Francisco, and you know, on to be there by Sunday. And you take the order and you tell this person to their face, "I'm going to deliver on time." Right, and you get a call. From them saying, "Hey, I checked my tracking number, and it says I'm not going to get this this wine till Monday." Oh. Fuck you! And they're like, they're so mad at you. They're like, ah, you know, you're yeah. you're, you're you're like, oh my god. And it was like, I think at that time when I figured out that uh, that I yeah, she cussed, she cursed me out so bad. It was like I was talking one one day too. I mean, this I call I, I you know I'm not going to say her name, but yeah. I just I'm going to use a use a, a fake name. I was like Becky. Um, Here's the deal. Uh, I just got one question for you. And she's like, "What?" I was like, "If I get you this wine by Sunday, are you still going to be my customer, or are you that pissed off at me?" Right. And she was just like, "You get me this wine by Sunday, I will love you." She was like, "Don't worry. I I won't. I will not be mad at you. I will still order wine from you." It's like, 
okay, I'll call you back in 10 minutes. And I looked at my business partner at the time and I was like, this is your fuck up. Okay. <laughs> so here's what we're going to do. We're going to go, we're going to go relabel all of this wine yeah. right now. And while we're relabeling it, one of us is going to go get a van and we're going to drive this fucking wine San to San Francisco and we're going to be there for her on Sunday. Where were you? And he was time? just like, he was like, go for it, man. I was like, like, yeah, I, was like I was like, no, dude, you're fucking driving. And I'm going to sit in the passenger seat. And label. No, no, no. No, no, you'd be, be done at that point. It would be done. But I was like, we're driving this wine, you know, 15 cases of wine to San Francisco. We are not going to let this person down. And we drove the whole way through. And we were like 20, it was, I'd like to say it was like 32 or 34 hours of straight driving with zero stops. Dude, from Texas to San Francisco. Yeah, just straight. Insane. <laughs> You know, and it was like right when gas turned two to two bucks oh, a gallon. Right, right. so you're you, losing. You got to be losing money. Like doing you're losing that. money. You're just sitting there like losing money, losing money, and going, you know what? Like if she buys again, you know, it'll be worth it. Yeah. You know, and so did that she? she did. And then we actually won a customer service award because of that of that scenario. Wow. That story created a customer service award that we won uh, in Austin. That actually was pretty amazing. And then this this year we actually won. Uh, Inc. 5000 one of uh, the fastest growing companies in America. Uh, so, so we're still back. You know, we're still growing really, really nicely now. I mean, I've got a great. We've got a great team. We've got an amazing CEO uh, and an amazing, amazing team of just operators running that company. Right. And so, what I did was I, I took a step back and I and I pulled him in as CEO. So I hired him as director of technology. And then he went. He became CTO, mm. and then he became CEO. And um, and he's very young, but he's just a super, like, just a superstar. So what I did was I actually went to the University of Texas and I took a case of Bordeaux to the dean of computer sciences, and I was okay. like, and this guy like really expensive French Bordeaux, yeah, yeah. and I was like, boom! And inside that box was a bottle of Ecam because I knew he liked Ecam Chateau mm -hmm. Ecam, which is a sticky kind of dessert wine, mm -hmm. and it's it's just a beautiful wine. Uh, and he uh, he was just I was like, hey, who is Facebook, Google? And uh, Intel, who is the guy that they're recruiting? Oh, you know, and he was just like, I got one for you. And I was like, and I got even better. I was like, what? He goes, he plays football for UT. I was like, what? Oh my God, I was like, really? all right, I'll take it. So like my, the, the business changed when I started to really hire really amazing people. Yeah. So for about 10 years, I was really the smartest guy in the room. And it was actually a very bad thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I fired myself. And that was the greatest day of my life was when I fired myself and I, that was when I could actually go back and start and meeting people, shaking hands and bringing business and, and, and selling wine, which right. is actually more of my passion. And I do it without like, you know, this wine has, you know, essence of jasmine. And no, I don't what do you, how do you talk about wine? I've heard all kinds of ways. Very simple. I, I use very simple descriptors and I, and, I, and, I, and I really like in my mind anyway, the way that it works is, I just think of the food that I would like to eat the most while I'm drinking this Makes wine. Sense. Makes sense. And for me, I go straight there and then I start, you know, like trying to think of what this wine would just be perfect with. Mm. And then I, then I, that's, that's where I kind of start breaking wine down. And I think people find it to be more approachable when you talk about wine uh, in relation to food oh, sure. than talking about wine you know, as itself, because people just feel inadequate when you yeah. start talking about things like that. And totally. it, but if you say, well, this, this wine reminds me, it's, it's the earlier Black Sabbath days. Exactly. But, no, there's, I totally there's definitely ways that you can describe yeah. wine 
you know, with, you know, with music, you know, you can, or you could say, you know, Chateau Margot to me is Aubrey Hepburn, oh. you know, she's a little rusty, you know, like uh, some moxie, yeah, you know, yeah, just yeah. some, some personality there. You know, she can be a tough broad if she needs to be, you know, she's got personality, uh, but she's smooth and elegant and she's, you know, she's sexy, you know, yeah. she's beautiful, you know, it's just like, so you can let, and, or you can say, you know, this Napa cab is Bruce Willis. I mean, Dude. Yeah, this thing is bringing the thunder all day long. Boom. You and know. you still want to smoke a cigarette with him after he's done all that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like still kind of approachable. Let's jump out of a building. Yeah, you're reticent to like do it, but you still will do it. You still sort of smoke a cigarette with Bruce Right. Well, this is amazing. So you step away from what is it kind of like a very leadering capacity to right. get more grassroots back to the people, yeah. talk about the wine and what you love. And how does this transition into you building or establishing the venue? Red Room Lounge, right on mm-hmm. Third Street. Is that yeah, right? yeah. That what was is that, that was a transition. Look like that was a mistake. That was that was a that was a beautiful mistake, right? Beautiful. So, okay. Yeah. So I was uh, hanging out with a sommelier who works over at Papa Steakhouse in Houston, Texas, by the name of Bill Elsie, mm-hmm. uh, who worked. He was a founding sommelier at the Red Room Lounge. He's a great sommelier, uh, very knowledgeable guy. So we were sitting there at the at the, you know it was that was literally our conference room, mm-hmm. and we turned it into a wine bar because we were drinking late at night there and he was just like this would be a great this would be a great venue i was like yeah it it really would be i mean we've got a lot of people walking through and walking in here for south by southwest and so and then he came on board and then we turned it into a wine bar but we did it very nonchalantly Mm -hmm. we just didn't really turn it all we did was really just build the bar because since we have a winery license we have a tasting room and we're allowed to have a tasting room there Mm -hmm. so all we did was kind of just re-engineer the room a little bit and turn it into a bar. And then from there, we quickly realized that, oh, you know, this is actually people want to come here and they want to spend wine and they want to drink wine. So we better have a pretty cool wine list. So let's start, you know, let's have a wine list. So, and then it turned into, uh, you know, like one of Austin's hottest wine bars. Like if people, you know, actually people travel to Austin and if they love wine and they're that part of that wine bar crowd, yeah. they come to the Red Room Lounge. Because what kind of aesthetic for you when you're drinking wine? I imagine you managed to replicate it in the Red Room Lounge. Yeah. What's the perfect situation, the perfect environment to enjoy? A cellar. Cellar. The okay. basement. A lot of wood? No. Brick. Or literally a yeah, basement. Yeah, brick, brick and wood. Yeah. Brick and wood. You feel like you just have to feel like you're in a basement. Mm-hmm you know, in a cellar and, and it's perfect because it's literally like five steps down. Uh, it's, you know, the space wasn't being utilized before. I mean, it just looked like shit before we got there. Yeah. And then we just really fixed it up and made it look cool and then put, you know, wine cages and wine lockers there for people to store wine. Uh, and then we just built our offices, you know, you know, we built our, built our offices there. And then the bar just kind of like naturally took hold because we're a block away from the convention center oh, yeah. and all these people are looking for any space they can find to do any kind of activation pop-up. Mm-hmm. And so we just opened our doors and we were like, hey, come taste wine. Come do a blind tasting and if you guess what varietals these are, then you win a case of wine. And it was just like, uh, we just did it just for fun. Yeah. And all these people came in and it turned into, this should be a wine bar. you know. And all these, and actually, by the way, one person came in we had like Tempranillo from Australia, mm. and this person got all the wines right and took a freaking case home. I was oh, just like, "There's no humanly way yeah. anybody's gonna guess these wines right." 
but somebody did. And I was was know, it someone that ended up being notable, or just a guy or girl? Just off the a street? dude passing in the night. That's and just crazy. came in, was like, "This is what it." Actually, it wasn't even a man; it was a female. She was awesome. She was super cool. Uh, worked for a dot com company. Yeah. You know, um, uh, I think she worked for Yelp. She was okay. like, she was a you know big big wig at Yelp. So she came in and guessed it, and I was just like, "Wow!" Like the the palate. And bo- most people don't know this, but women have a super like, more sensitive spot right? without question women can smell and have they make amazing some ways because they're yeah. like they're they're they have senses that that just men i think just don't really naturally have yeah. i mean uh so like you know like especially like my wife when she was pregnant she could smell anything so that's why like i could not eat a cushy picadillo tacos <laughs> when my wife was pregnant because she yeah. would tell me get the hell out of the house yeah so like you know, uh, so that turned into the red room, and then, like the red room just turned into its you know its own little beast, and it's like it's, it's it was luck. How much time you spend in there now? Well, I mean, I don't. I so I, I work there. Mm-hmm. I spend time working there during the day, but I don't spend a lot of time there at night just because I have children and I have a wife. Two, but two kids, right? Yeah, two 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 girls, two beautiful girls, little girls, toddlers. Um, but I you know I'll spend at least two nights there a month. Yeah. You know, I'm there two nights a month, and. Usually I'm there till like you know it opens at five and I'm usually gone. I usually go home around six seven. So mm-hmm. I'm there for like an hour or two, but I'm not there when it's at its peak at Great, like yeah. yeah like ten you know nine ten o'clock. It's just you know it's jamming. Well, so I've I was reading and you know I do these dossiers of people because the internet's a great tool for me. Right. So it, Austin Business Journal they wrote a nice profile on you here yes. in September. Very nice of them. Talking uh, what it seemed like another transition for you. Right. In, uh, Pervino, is that the right way to? Uh, so it's estate wine brokers. Uh, they kind of did a, so Pervino is the company that owns all of the okay. the wine companies. But estate wine brokers, like what happened was during the recession, uh, you know, our, we didn't dip in sales, but we plateaued. Mm. Um, and the fine wine market started to kind of crumble. Uh, except for the Uber market, the Uber market got stronger. So fine wine would be like twenty-five dollars a bottle to one hundred seventy-five to basically seventy-five dollars to one hundred dollars per bottle. Yeah. At that time, those wines suffered tremendously. So those wines were all kind of going to wines till sold out or wine woo, you know, flash sale sites. Right, right. And um, it actually that turned to our advantage at Personal Wine because you know for Personal Wine. We called the wineries up and we we're like, "Do not send your wine to this company to go die. Mm-hmm. Give it to us. Let us engrave or custom label it for people, and we'll sell it for ten percent more than you sell it for on your website." Right. So they loved us, and that's when we became very popular in the wine business with the wineries, where we kind of earned their respect. Mm-hmm. At that same time period, we weren't making very much money because, just generally speaking, luxury good sales were low at that time. And so what happened? During the 08, actually it really hit us in 2009 and 10, was I just, instead of like not paying or paying my employees less or laying them off, you know, I basically took my salary down to zero Mm -hmm. and I needed to make money. And I, so I had amassed a wine collection at that time and I just started selling it off and going, oh wow, I bought that bottle for a hundred. I could sell for 200 bucks or whatever. And so I started looking at, the prices of wine and I started okay you know what there's a guy in New York who has a wine collection here and he wants to sell to somebody in San Francisco you know just arrange a deal between these two people and we make a margin like a broker margin right, right, right. and so and then in the process 
I can build my own wine collection too. So I can kind of build it back, mm -hmm. you know, um, because I, you know, I love wine and I want to have a wine collection and I, I usually do. Um, but I, you know, I trade my own wine and I drink my own wine quite a bit, you know, I take it to dinners and, you know, use it for entertaining. Sure. But, you know, so in the process, I was like, wow, this is super fun. Like it's exciting. Every day is different. And then I started to learn about the Uber wine market. So the stuff that is basically like 150, really over $200 a bottle, okay. between $200 a bottle and like $7,000 a bottle, wow. 10,000, 15,000 a bottle, all the way up to a bottle of wine that we sold a few years back for uh, 109,000, which was insane. a large format. Can wine. you, so as a guy who hasn't had a bottle of wine that's in that echelon, mm -hmm. how different is the experience? Or something, if it is different, mind you, I'm, I'm assuming that it is. How different is the flavor of something that's considered that valuable? So you you really, I mean, it's so that's a really great question. Um, a lot of the a lot of it has to do with the experience, who you're with, what yeah. day it is. You know, did you uh, meet the girl of your dreams that day? Uh, did you land this big deal? Uh, get a new job? Uh, whatever you know just something a great day if you drink a really nice bottle on a really great day that wine bottle will taste better on that day than sure. it would any other day right but if you drink that bottle of wine on a really bad day you know there's a chance that it could just kind of be like eh, you know whatever yeah, yeah. you know and that sucks you know because like you really want to drink it on the best possible day yeah. um you know and there, there are exceptions to that rule but we won't we won't go there <laughs> but like you know, so so for me, you know, when I've had these wines, so if, let me give you an example. 1976 Romani Conti. I had that for my birthday. I sold that bottle to a friend of mine, right? I brokered a deal where he got that bottle and right. I made a little bit of cash or whatever, not much, but because he's a friend. I, you know, I, I don't make money off my friends. I try not to at least. And there you go. So, But the guy was like, you know, I gave him a really good deal on this bottle, mm -hmm. made a couple hundred bucks. And then... The next, and then a month and a half later, uh, he shows up at my door on my 40th birthday this year. Yeah. And, um, and he has the bottle of 1976 Romani Conti in his hands. And this is a $10,000, $12,000 bottle of wine. Jesus. You know, and I sold it to him for eight grand, bought it for 7,800, gave it to him for eight grand. Yeah. He shows up at my house with this bottle of wine on my birthday. And wow. it's nine o'clock at night. And he's just like, I'm coming over to you. I'm coming over. I'll be there in a bit. Mm. And we had this. And I'll tell you, that's not a, a, a monumental year for Romani Conti, but how many people get to sit there and taste Romani Conti? Probably, I mean, I don't know, but in the, in the wine world, I mean, people like June and, mm. and Craig Collins and, right. you know, these guys, you know, Bill and Bill in, 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 uh, uh, in, in Houston mm. and all of these amazing sommeliers, Alex and Kashkash and Aspen, they'll David taste Kek, them. I guess. He's another one too. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, so he's he. There's an Alex uh, at at Cash Cash okay. in Austin. He's an amazing sommelier. These guys are in a place where these wines are are the, the frequency of them being opened is higher. And generally speaking, the people that are coming in to these restaurants are fortunate and they're generous, and they'll let them have a little taste of these wines. Mm -hmm. But the general population will never try these wines right. ever because right. they only make a couple hundred, few hundred to a, maybe even I think it's like sixteen. Hundred bottles of this wine are made, and in, in any that's right, crazy, yeah. So, and that's all over the world. So, and they're mostly traded as a commodity now, as a blue chip item, yeah. like yeah, a yeah, stock. Yeah. And so, they're you know, so the chances of being in the room when that wine is being opened is very, very rare. 
And for somebody to come in and bring that to my to my house with my birth vintage year made that wine extremely interesting, especially since I knew what it was, mm-hmm. when it was made, and et cetera. So that was a magical experience. Lots of things lining up right. to make it an amazing exactly. experience. Yeah. Exactly. In in my own dining room, in my own house, right? Well, a normal place for me. Right. So it's like that is amazing or just tasting very specific. And then sometimes there are wines that like people have talked about or they, you know, have spoken about and you're, and you try it and you're like, I don't get it. You're like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't see why this wine is worth, you know, $2,500, $3,000 bottles right. just doesn't really float my boat, you know, and there are certain wineries that have that, you know, and, and those are wines that you just buy and sell. Mm-hmm. Um, and then every once in a while you buy, you know, you get a really good deal on some wine and, you know, you, you, you arbitraged it a little bit here and there and you got two or three bottles for yourself and you're like, oh, wow, you know, I get to try I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead. I could sell this wine, make $1,000 or I could drink it and right. see what it's really like. Totally get that. Yeah. yeah. Bourbon for me, so it's the same, but the same concept. Exactly. You know, people exactly. don't drink. Sometimes it's really frustrating, actually. Now, wine is a little bit different, but that people go out of their way to buy bourbon just to sell it. And what they're really missing is how beautiful it can be, right? You know, and I think that that's an interesting, almost a modern era kind of thing because technology and the internet's actually allowed people to do that, right? You know, but do you, given the best and the most rare bottle that maybe you've never come across, would you rather sell it or would you rather keep it and sip it with a good friend? Um, that's a great question. Like I think that. Uh, Okay, I'm going to give you an example. There's very there's very specific wines that if I see them, I'll buy them for myself because uh, I just go crazy over them. So like like almost like a cat with catnip. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like I, I, I found a case of 2010. This is just a couple of days ago. Uh, 2010 Henri Bonneau Cuvée Celestine Chateauneuf de Pop. Mm-hmm. And the, I mean, I go ape shit over this wine. It's just, I mean, I, it's you makes it. it just like it's just so fucking good. Yeah. And it just you know just super smooth and in a, in a very concentrated wine. It's a Grenache Syrah Mouvedre blend. Um, and, and just, and, 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 and often it just, this guy just produced amazing wines anyway. And so that wine or Chateau Reyes, which is another Chateau Neuf de Pop, like those are one, you know, two of my top five wines that yeah. if I see them, you know, I will. They're for it, you. It's possible that I would fly to go drink a vertical with them and eat dinner. I would probably I would drop five hundred to seven hundred bucks to a thousand bucks to fly somewhere to go have a dinner and taste a vertical of this wine. Wow. You know, so for me, I'll travel to go do that. Like I would go travel to go see the Rolling Stones. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. So you what's know? the band for you? So the Stones are that way. I had to go see the Stones. I had some business I had to do in Nashville. And had I had to go. To. See, I had to. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I ended up going to see the Rolling Stones. I wanted to make sure that I saw the complete Rolling Stones because yeah. I've had a chance to go see James Brown. I didn't take it. I had a chance to go see, uh, you know, just some of the most amazing players. And, and for me, music is my other thing. So it's like I love to go see live music yeah. and drink good wine. And, you know, like, just like some people like to go to tailgate and go to a football game, yeah. I would rather pass. I would rather go see an amazing show. So, like, I'll go see, I'll go to Houston and go see Guns N' Roses. Wait, 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 wait. Did you go see him? Hell, fuck yeah, I saw him. I right, was can good. we talk about that I for a second? I spent $1,500 on tickets for that, for me and my wife, for my wife and I. Was it not one of the experiences where, at least for me, and I went back and I thought about it, like, this shouldn't be this good. Right. There is 
something really astonishing about how fucking good this is. Right. It shouldn't have been this good since 92. Right. What was your impression of the show? Oh, no, no. So, like, I saw them in, I think I saw them in 92. I saw oh, that. Cool. I went yeah. to the Use Your, Use Your Illusion yeah, tour. Yeah. And I, I mean, obviously, Axl Rose weighed probably, like, you know, 30 40. pounds, 30, yeah. 30, 40 pounds left. <laughs> but he still looked pretty damn good he up there. Fine. Yeah, and yeah. I tell you, man, that man, his voice, he hasn't lost a thing, man. That guy's, Nothing. You know, ah, where yeah. do we go now? Yeah. And I was just like, oh, man. That was, you know, that was an amazing. And, and Slash. Slash, that dude. It's just, perfect. Duff, great. Duff, great, you know. I mean, everybody. It shouldn't have been that good, but it was like this weird, brilliant alignment of shit. Like years and climate change and all these things that happens in a wine or happens in a year of distillation came together and it was a life changing yeah. show for me. Right. It was kind of like it was kind of like uh, Pink Floyd. Like, you know, I really want to. If had I, so when I was in college, my graduation gift was like one of two things, right? And um, so I either wanted to go see. I there was a rumor floating around that Pink Floyd was going to play at the pyramids on New Year's of 2000. I was like, I'm fucking going to be there yeah, for that. Yeah. Like, I, I have to be there for that. And so so my I, I negotiated with my parents. They were like, here, like, what do you want for your graduation? I was like, uh, you know, signed guitar by the Grateful Dead oh, or wow. tickets to Egypt to go see, <laughs> to go see Pink Floyd reunite. Which one's easier to come by? That's a good uh, either, either. No, they ended up getting me the, the guitar, the, the, the Grateful Dead guitar. Oh, man. Which I, you know, which is kind of funny because I, I never have ever missed payroll, and I, I had to sell that guitar to make my payroll, and then I also, no, and, and I also had a, a an amplifier, a '68 uh, Bassman amplifier oh, that was dude. owned by and, and a Leslie Vibratone speaker that I that was owned by Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh that my I had God, are you sell. kidding no, me? No, 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 bullshit, man. Jesus, I, cr- I cried on that one. The bass that one man. made me cry. Oh. That one made me cry. Yeah. Oh my god, we're gonna have to commiserate after we're done chatting. That is, that's a big loss, dude. It's a big I, loss, but like the 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 reality is that these are just material things that right. just transfer right. possession from one person to another. That's a good point, you know. And and, history, and the wine business is here because you know because I had to make a sacrifice, and that's yeah. what's what it is. I I absolutely can relate to that, and I think it's a brilliant way to prioritize things. Right. So you've done a lot. You were at the right place at the right time for these ideas and innovating in the wine space. Mm-hmm. Where do you go from here? What what is what could be possibly next for you? Well I, I, I that's actually kind of funny because nobody's really asked me that question. Um you know, but uh, so I invested in I don't own any stock in the stock market. Mm. I just don't have any control over the outcome. So it makes me uncomfortable. Sure. Um, even though it did me well for a while. Yeah. Um, so what I did was about four years ago, I invested in, uh, so there's these guys from New Zealand that came to me and said, I have this website with 8,800 users submitted uh, cannabis recipes, oh, marijuana infused wow. edibles. Oh, edibles. Yeah, edibles, okay. yeah. Not, nothing for sale. Just sure. just, just re- people posting recipes. Yeah, yeah. Allrecipes.com for weed. So they were like, can you do something with this? And I was like, yeah, I think so. So I basically called, uh, so I called a friend of mine and then he helped uh, re- me recruit a CEO from Canada, brought him in, and then I seeded the company. And today it's herb.co, so H-E-R-B.co. And it's uh, it surpassed high times in traffic a Holy month ago. Holy shit, that's crazy. Yeah, so it's got more traffic than high times. It's got like 
six billion fans on Facebook That's, and wow. you know, it's just got super traffic and it's just got cool articles about the cannabis industry. Um, and then, uh, you know, I've got a, a, another project that I'm, that I'm working on, but you know, th- these are like, but my, you know, my heart and my soul, I love my wine company. Like I always find myself like, you know, re- every day you fall in love with the wine business because of what it is. And you yeah. find that cannabis is actually doing something very similar. Absolutely. So it's like, it's following, a, it's like almost like your train split its tracks, but you still have two engines and they're yeah. just running in, in parallel. In parallel. And the cool thing is like the wine industry is very civilized and very classy and methodical and it's well thought out and there's great people in the industry and in the cannabis industry it's the freaking wild west man. it is yeah it's 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 guns and horses and saloon fights and everything it's Bending just for yourself almost yeah no it's tough it's tough because the federal government says no and the state government says yes and it's just like ah you know you know like and you know like you know cbd was approved in texas but unfortunately you know, Texas doesn't understand what CBD is, so they go into the people's pharmacy and take CBD. You know, low like 0.5 percent THC mm-hmm. is acceptable, but you know, in CBD medic uh, CD, CBD delivery, uh, and the, you know, they just you know the they get their they get their product seized, and because people don't know, and they don't even know how to fucking test it. So it's yeah, just yeah. like you know, so that's kind of like these are areas which I'm extremely interested in. So I, I continue my focus in wine and weed. So when people say, what, what are you in? Like, what do you do? Like, I'm in the wine and the weed business. So like, I'm in wine. Like, what are you into? I'm in wine and weed. And what do you do for fun? I play the guitar. I, I love music. Yeah. You know, and what else do you There's do? There's well, nobody that doesn't want to hang out with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, in Texas, it's not legal. So I have to go to like Colorado or California or whatever. Still road trip, man. You know, road trip, Through dude. Yeah. It's, it's brilliant. I think you're ahead of it again. It's because it's just going to be a few. You know, it will change. And yeah. once the TTB or whomever, whatever governing body understands how to make money off of it right. in a kind of holistic, operationalized way, you'll be there. Yeah, the only difference is, is that, like, with wine, I love touching and drinking wine and yeah. being, in, you know, the physical aspect of wine. But in cannabis, we're, you know, I'm only in the pickaxe and shovel side. Like, I don't, there's no lifting or touching or selling cannabis. It's yeah. just selling air content um information community is 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 the way to go in that category because you can't scale that right right. so it's like it's actually very you you know i don't want to ever be in the i don't want to ever want to to sell anything except for air and information yeah you know because that's just in that side of the business it's way more fun to do that than it is to carry anything or do anything because that's a commodity business yeah you know so it's like you see the prices of and you see these shows, the pot barons and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They're, yeah, of course it's enticing. You know, you see, you know, you, I talk to Wall, Wall Street guys all the time. It's like, yeah, I used to work for Goldman Sachs. I'm in the, I'm in the weed business now. It's like, what do you do? I'm a, I'm a cultivator. Oh, wow. So you went from Wall Street to the farm. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. like, yeah. Like, I was like, that's super cool that you made that transition. You know, but for me, that's not, that's not my goal. Yeah. So I will never own a grow a MIP, which is an infused processor, I will never be involved in that, or or uh, dispensary side. I can't be, you know? Yeah. And, and a lot of that has to do with protecting uh, the wine side of my business because, like, this side is federally not approved. Right, right, right. But, it, you know, it is by the states, and it's, you know, it's, it's certainly becoming more acceptable, certainly not in our state, but yeah. in other states, you know, so I can never touch it. So I can never be around it, you know? 
but I could talk about it and we can, you know, I, I can no, be part of it. Information is totally fine. Information highway is totally cool. Um, and, but I'll, but I, I can't, and I wouldn't want to touch it because this side over here, which is wine is so precious and dear to me, yeah. you know? So that's like the wine is more of my blood. I'd say that I, my wine is, my blood is really made of wine, you know, and my tissue and everything like that. My soul and my heart is in the wine and the cannabis industry. You know, I just believe in it for more of like the, just the general access of the medication yeah. for people that need it, you know, like. You know, there are some people that they need it as a medicine and they should oh, be entitled to have it. Absolutely. But either way, they're both medicinal, right? You just, you come home, you've had a shitty day at work or you've had a day, great day at work. Shitty day at work, you open the, you open the dog shit wine, the Friday night wine, I call yeah. it, right? You know, so, or, 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 you know, and, and, you know, you have a great day, you open the amazing bottle. Yeah. You open that bottle that makes you go, oh yeah, you know. And, it's killer. I mean, it, you're in such an interesting position among those two, amidst those two highways or those parallel tracks, like you said. I hope that the next few years make it a little bit more enticing, a little bit more open, and that we can imbibe in these things a lot, you know, in the same place. You know? Yeah. So it's been brilliant chatting with you, man. Thank you. And it has opened my mind to wine a lot more. Mm-hmm. I got one last question Please. for you. Please, fire away. My dad being this newfounded real wine connoisseur mm-hmm. i'm looking for a bottle to get him that's a little bit nicer than something he would buy himself it's holidays you know we'll drop this episode probably when people are still buying gifts we're in december officially now let's say i'm going to spend 150 bucks what do you think you think you can get a good value a nice ass wine for 150 bucks let me ask you a question yeah. what is what kind of food what is your dad's favorite meal oh man it's great but he loves Spicy foods, things that have lots of seasons, fresh spices, things of that nature. Like spices and like hot heat or yeah, heat. So I would say get him two bottles. I'd okay. say give him a really nice bottle of Zinfandel from the Russian River Valley, mm-hmm. uh, which does well with like Mexican food and oh, yeah. kind of it's got that you know it's got that equal spice to it. It's just sure. got cherry and you know pepper. Um, so I would I would consider that option. And then on the other side, I would say. Uh, which I can, I'll, 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 I'll just have it. Sh- I'll ship you. I'll ship it to you. It's, it's my, Amazing. it's my gift to you to, to your dad. Thanks, man. But like, uh, and, the, and the other side would be, I would give him a bottle of kick-ass, uh, uh, like German Riesling oh, or Alsatian okay. Riesling, which is sweeter. You know, it's got that residual sugar to it, but it, it breaks down that heat in a way that blends really well with that just little bit of sweetness, yeah. not super sweet. I'm just talking about having just a little bit of residual sugar in a wine and having high acidity to break down the spice. Yeah, yeah. And so it just meshes really well. It's amazing. Yeah. It already makes me want to eat both of those things. Oh, dude. <laughs> I think awesome. about it. Man, yeah. it's, it's really been a pleasure. Thanks Thank so you. much for making, making the time to kind of chat with me. And we got to keep this going. Thanks yeah. so much for chatting, Alex. My pleasure, my brother. Thank you so much for having me. Well, there we have it. What do you guys think of Alex? We tried some incredible wine. I love the fact you can get a personalized bottle for yourself or for someone you hate or love alike for this holiday season. I'll include a link in the show description so you guys can hop on over and order some wine if you like. I think I'll be doing that for my family this year. It's also good to know that Alex is a rock guy, you know, talking about the Rolling Stones, talking about Guns N' Roses on my mind as of late with the weather. 
He's not a pretentious wine guy, you know. We talk about some of these labels that cost in the tens of thousands of dollars, and I'm at a loss. You sip some scotch that's five grand the bottle, something around 30 years old, and you taste it, and you, you wonder, this is, this is really great, but is it really worth the money? And as Alex illustrates, if it's your 40th birthday, if it's with somebody you love in a place that you're comfortable with and you really enjoy, perhaps that $10,000 bottle of wine is just that epic. But thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter if you've completed all of your shopping for this holiday season or if you're getting tired of drinking bourbon straight, which would never really happen, please keep dancing.